There we go. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Sounds perfect. You're listening to Just One of the Guys, where I'm always looking forward to the future. Last week I left a note on Laura's desk It said I love you, signed anonymous friend Turns out she's smarter than I thought she was She knows I wrote it, now the whole class does too And I'm all alone during couple skate When she skates by with some guy on her arm But I know Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast hosted by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Hi there, my name's Sean Ingle and it's my job to give you coverage of the Green Lantern comics starting at cover date July 1990 and ending in cover date November 2004 with a special emphasis on the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner. And this time out, we're only going to be covering one book. Well, not because, you know, I'm lazy or anything, but because it kind of works in the purvey of the show. Basically, we're today we're going to be covering Green Lantern number 98, which, if you remember from last episode, Green Lantern was flung into the future. And when you're flung into the future, who are the only people that you could possibly meet up with other than the Legion of Superheroes? And, of course, if you want to talk about the Legion of Superheroes, you've got to get someone who's knowledgeable about it. And that sure as heck isn't me. So this is why I've called on my podcast buddy, an excellent podcaster. He is the host of Dave's Daredevil Podcast. He's also the co-host right now of the Starman Observatory, the former host of a Superman Fan... Not Superman Fan Radio. What was it? Superman Forever Radio. Mother pause bucket. <laughs> Superman Forever Radio. Obviously, the dulcet tones you just heard was Mr. J. David Weeder. How's it going, Dave? It's going great. You're getting all my podcasts confused. Uh, if, if there wasn't a network of Superman podcasts... Yeah, I, I, would, I, would, <laughs> I would direct you toward that network of podcasts because they'll, they'll do a better job at describing who does what and where than I will. Plus, uh, you're also... You, you may not be right on that. We get confused sometimes. We like to cross, cross over, so... <laughs> Plus, there's the uh, sort of on hiatus um, Incredible Hulk podcast, Pad Smash. And when is that coming back? That is slated to come back in, in March. It may be a little bit earlier. The, I've, been, I've been doing a lot of back-end work on the website, which is why it had to come to a stop, because I'm moving things over to an old domain. So everything has to be basically tweaked to make sure I don't lose anything. So, well, that's That's definitely understandable. Yeah, you don't want to... You know, all this hard work you put into the podcast or the website, you don't want to get crapped out on you just because you're moving it around. Yeah. But yes, we're going to be covering Green Lantern num number 98, dealing with the Legion and Kyle in the future, and it's all going to be a good time. But before we get to that, as always, we're going to play a couple of promos, maybe one for Mr. Weeder's podcast. That should be interesting. Course it'll be interesting. It's J. David Weeder. He's awesome. And once we get back from that, we'll go ahead and get into our coverage of Green Lantern number 98. Stay tuned, folks. I can close my eye. It's already here. Hey Obi-Wan, your lightsaber's showing. 
Take a nap, Pete! Live long and do Touch it, Frodo! I'm sick of being a goddamn scarecrow. I'll give this podcast thing a try. Chew bubble gum and kick your ass. Wow, you've gone from very fine to near mint. What a man. Size matters not. Two truefreaks.com. I prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night, searching for justice. Blind justice. A guardian devil. <coughs> <coughs> no, 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 that's not actually true. I'm not Daredevil. Blind attorney by day and fearless crime fighter by night. No, I am J. David Weeder, a podcaster but you can call me Dave. I do read about Daredevil and his adventures, and I podcast about it on my show, Dave's Daredevil Podcast. You see, it's it's my Daredevil... You get it, you get it. Every Sunday, I read a Daredevil comic and share my thoughts and feelings on the issue, the characters, and the world of Marvel's Man Without Fear in an easily accessible audio form. And I want to take you along for the ride, so tune in each week as we meet Daredevil, his villains, his loves, and more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at. That is every Sunday on iTunes and at www.daredevilpodcast.com. That is daredevilpodcast.com. Take the dare. Listen to Dave's Daredevil Podcast. Did I really just say take the dare? On May 30th, 2011, DC Comics announced the historic renumbering of all their superhero titles, and the internet broke in half. Critics and naysayers abounded. Confusion reigned across fandom. What'll I do? What'll I do? What an unusual view. Not to mention the first reactions to the Supergirl costume. I hated her so much. It, it, the, it flame, flames, flames on the side of my face, breathing, breath, heaving breaths, heaving. But then the books actually hit. And opinions... He likes it! He likes it! Opinions began to change. The New 52 Adventures of Superman is a monthly podcast where John Wilson, J. David Weider, and Michael Kaiser take a look at each of the adventures of Superman and his family of characters in Action Comics. You know the deal, Metropolis. Treat people right, or expect a visit from me. The Superman who appeared six months ago could hurdle skyscrapers and toss trucks around. Now it's faster, now it's stronger. How soon before it can't be stopped? Superboy. If resolving a situation for him is going to get me out from under these people once and for all, that's a small price to pay for freedom. Release the Superboy. Supergirl. Okay. Giant metal creatures. Falling from the sky. Speaking in clicks and beeps. Father would love this dream. And Superman. You could do so much good. We could do so much good. I am doing good, Lois. Clark's such a loner. Never really lets anyone get close to him. The new 52 Adventures of Superman. Available the first of every month on iTunes and at new52superman.libson.com.
And we're back. And I'm hoping you enjoyed those podcast promos, especially that one for Mr. J. David Weeder's podcast. Uh, probably the one about Daredevil. I don't know. I'll put I'll put something in there. It'll be interesting. But uh, if we are all ready, we're going to take a look at the comic we came here to cover, Green Lantern number 98. This one was cover dated May of 1998 and released on March 4th, 1998. It had a cover price of $1.95 US and $2.75 Canada, and the title this time out was Future Shock Part 1. The writer was Ron Mars, penciler was Daryl Banks, inker was Terry Austin, colorist was Rob Schwager, letterer was Chris Eliopoulos, associate editor was Dana Curtin, and the editor was Kevin Dooley. Our story opens with the six members of the Green Lantern Corps being chased by the Legion of Superheroes. Wait, wait a second. I, I need to check something. Yeah, this is the right book. I didn't mix it up with issue 98 from the second volume of Greenland or anything stupid like that. Weird. Anyhow, after some awful puns by Legionnaire XS, the rest of the team attempt to stop the Lanterns and get back the sculpture that they had stolen from the Louvre. Things look like they are well in hand. Get it? It's a pun. Well... If XS can do puns, I figure I should be able to do it as well, as Legionnaire Leviathan grabs the escaping vehicle in her giant-sized hands. Unfortunately, the Lanterns make their getaway vehicle all pointy, causing Vi to let go of the craft and allowing the Lanterns to escape. Cosmic Boy consoles the grieving giantess, saying that they might have a lead on them, as they currently have a Green Lantern in custody. Cut to a Parisian prison, where Green Lantern Kyle Rayner is being held captive. The Legion arrives, and finding that this Green Lantern actually wants to cooperate, Legionnaire Livewire asks to take the prisoner back to Legion headquarters. Upon arrival, Kyle meets with Cosmic Boy, who I guess he's worked with before, and the former Legion leader tells Kyle that him being here might be a bit of a problem. Cosmic Boy hastens Kyle to the Legion meeting room, where the assembled brief him on the reappearance of the Green Lantern Corps as criminals. After a rundown of the various members of the Corrupt Corps, Cosmic Boy explains that when they first appeared, they were thought of as heroes, but quickly they showed their true nature and started committing high-profile theft, including the priceless sculpture that they stole from the Louvre. Kyle asks why the Legion just didn't contact this century's Green Lantern, and Cosmic Boy relates the news to Kyle. There is no Green Lantern in this time, and there is no record of Kyle being Green Lantern in his time. Devastated by the knowledge that his efforts to carry on the Green Lantern's legacy may have been for naught, Kyle gets even more bad news in that the Legion might not be able to send him back to his timeline. Resigned to his fate, Kyle relates what happened to Hal Jordan, the Corps, and Oa, which is something that piques Invisible Kid's interest. The Legion asks Kyle if he can take them to the site where Oa once was, and Kyle says that he can, noting that if he didn't make his name in the past, he'll definitely make it in the future. Cut to deep space as we see Green Lantern and a very enamored XS searching the location where Oa was for any kind of clues. Cal tries to fend off Jenny's amorous advances when he suddenly wangs his head on a cloaked ship. Seeing that this might be the Green Lantern version of the Honeycomb hideout, Cal tells Jenny to call in the reinforcements, but before she can, she's hit by a blast of emerald energy. The evil Corman exit the ship to engage in some cosmic fighting McFightenstein, copyright Andrew Leyland, 2011, all rights reserved, and Kyle is distracted by having to defend an unconscious XS, which allows the corrupt core leader to knock Kyle out and take his ring. Soon on the ship, said leader Tomar Rowe 
tries to use the ring for himself, but finds that it doesn't work for him. And even worse, it suddenly disappears. Back on Earth, Ganthet, the last guardian of the universe, is recreating the scene from issue 50. Except this time, it's with a homeless girl in a back alley. The girl, one Carrie Wren, puts the ring on and, much like Kyle in that historic issue, becomes the one and only Green Lantern. And that does it for my synopsis of issue 98. What kind of uh, notes do you have on this, Dave? Did Daryl Banks change his style to start us off? I don't know. I was going to say it looks... I don't know whether he's evolving, but over the the next couple of issues, Daryl Banks' style gets a little bit wonky. I don't know if in some places he was rushed, because sometimes the, the artwork looks really great and looks really classic, but at other times some of his characters just look off. What, uh, what in particular are you thinking of? Well, I was looking, uh, this is on the, the big splash on pages two and three with the Legionnaire's faces where it just it doesn't look like what I would normally expect from Daryl Banks, who's normally pretty straightforward, very uh, streamlined, very straightforward, I guess would be the best way I can go back to. Mm-hmm. And here the faces are almost animated looking, especially yeah. Pharaoh. Yeah, I'm wondering if he might be taking a bit of a nod from uh, Paul Pelletier, who's also been working on the book, because I've always looked at Pelletier's early work here in the Green Lantern book as having a kind of anime influence. So I'm thinking maybe they're trying to sort of meld those two styles together and Banks is trying to work more anime influence to get – maybe that was you know a, a drawing point for the Greenland book at the time. I huh. wouldn't really know, but it could have been. But yeah, the, the characters do have less of a classic sort of uh, George Perez style and more – yeah, like you said, a more anime or more cartoony type style. Especially with them, the big, wide-open mouths, which, of course, allows Terry Austin to draw tons of teeth, which is <laughs> really neat. But yeah, the, I wanted to talk about the the second page or the pages two and three with the uh, the sort of floating head surrounding the uh, surrounding the corners of all the Legionnaires. Now, Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl, they're classic. I know who they are. Livewire and Spark, that's the new versions of Lightning Lad, Lightning Lad, and Lightning Lass, right? Lightning Lad and Light Lass. Light Lass, okay. Yeah. She, uh, she, she, the funny thing is about Spark is her power, we, we met her in Final Night, but her power originally was to make things light her, as oh. in gravity powers or light as a feather. Okay, so, because I know one of the things about the Legion was they had heroes that had different types of powers. You know, they didn't want to have one person who had the same power as another person on the team. That was one of the specific sort of um, things that they, I'm trying to think exactly what the word is, but one of the things that they wanted to have a very diversified team. Is that kind of what I'm thinking? Yeah. No, no you could only have one, one type of power. So okay. and of course they also had the boy lass requirement, mm-hmm. boy lass girl. Yeah. But then we've got Pharaoh, which again, you know, comes from, I'm assuming he's the one who got sort of co-opted from final night as well. Yep. Starboy and Invisible Kid. Excess. Now, this is one that's kind of uh, off my radar. She gets kind of promoted a little bit more in the book, and she's the daughter, or she's in some way related to Barry Allen, who obviously took a lot of trips to the future. She is his granddaughter. Okay, she's... And I I, I wasn't familiar with her either, because I looked at, like, who who is this? 
And it, it luckily it's explained a little bit that she she's actually a legacy character, which mean that kind of makes sense why she got spotlighted a little bit. Mm-hmm. Plus, she's a Barry Allen descendant, so the theme of the story does follow through. Is just I this is a weird time for the Legion for me because in '94 with uh, Zero Hour they got their first real reboot, a hard reboot. So a lot of the the code code names like Apparition for Phantom Lady or Phantom Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, triad for triplicate girl that was sort of part of that reboot was trying to make them more i don't know edgy cool mtv yeah and leviathan is that shrieking shrinking violet am i thinking correctly or is yeah that... it's it's another rendition of shrinking violet okay which threw me off i won't lie to you <laughs> well and i guess you know it makes sense when they call her vi i guess that could be used either as you know violet or you know, Leviathan. So it, it works. Okay. And then finally, the last one is Ultra Boy. And if I recall, Ultra Boy is sort of analogous to Superboy in a way, except he can only use one power at a time. Am I thinking correctly? You are correct. Okay. So in other words, he can use flight, but he doesn't have strength. He can use strength, but he doesn't have heat vision or exactly uh, okay and the, and the nice thing is he's got a backup for flight because legion flight ring that's always not yeah which that... i'm actually not wearing mine okay well <laughs> hopefully that won't cause a problem throughout the book i just wanted to comment on uh, i haven't commented in a while on the automata p on the pages on uh, page four as a uh, lightning lad or is that what's his name Livewire. Livewire. Yeah, as Livewire zaps one of the lanterns, the uh, onomatopoeia there is Sharkle. Sharkle. I, I, <laughs> that is perhaps one of the goofiest sounding, you know. It sounds like a stomach condition. <laughs> well, it, it sounds like a, it sounds like an offspring of a crappy Green Lantern film as well. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was really amusing. Um, one of the things I like about the Legion particularly and I think I like this about Ron Mars's writing of him in these next two books is the Legion are portrayed as, as young kids. Well, not really young kids, but like high school age kids. And I love on uh, page five that uh, Violet or by Leviathan gets kind of upset and gets kind of down on the fact that when she, that she was unable to stop the green lanterns from getting away. And it, it works in the character of, you know, these these young teens. If you just think of them as sort of an analog to the Justice League, that's really doing them a disservice because they they aren't the seasoned heroes. They're they're young kids and they have those kids foibles and they have those things. And I like that we see here, you know, her being kind of upset at that she failed to do the superheroic thing. And I'm. I, I'm wondering, is that pretty much a a trope throughout most of the Legion books that they're dealing uh, with these these super powered beings are also having to deal with very high school age stuff and why that would be such a draw for young kids to read them? It, it was up to a point when Giffen started doing the five year later style, a little bit different. But prior to that, yeah, I mean, you would see. Couples form, couples break up. I mean, it very, it, it was very insular, like a high school. They had their own biosphere, a social biosphere, so to speak. And yeah, they were, they were kids growing up. And yeah, that was a draw to me because you had somebody called Lightning Boy or Lightning Lad. Okay. He's a kid like me. You can relate a little bit more, almost, almost like Spider-Man to an extent. 
where you can kind of be one of them. Plus, you just had if you had one unique feature. So yeah, I would I would actually say that was a big draw, which I don't know if Dan Didio remembers that. <sighs> the things that Dan Didio forgets, <laughs> you could fill an encyclopedia. I, I'm sorry, I'm gonna try not to go off on Dan Didio. Um, moving on again. Moving on to page seven, panel five, we get, and I don't know why I keep noticing this, but Terry Austin and his love of teeth, uh, maybe this is Daryl Banks, one of Daryl Banks' thing, in, but Daryl Banks just seems to like drawing people with a ton of smiley big teeth. It's just wild. It looks like a Crest commercial. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle has, I don't know if he's smiling or snarling, but there's a lot of teeth there. That's true. Well, maybe he's uh, doing some... Uh, Promotion for some of those crest white strips. You never know. The next note I have is on page nine, where Kyle goes into the uh, Legion meeting room and we get uh, a shot of all the Legionnaires. And that Kyle, even though that he's been a member of the Justice League for a pretty good while, I think uh, he's probably up to issue at least 10 or 11 now in the jail, I would think, that when he comes into the Legion meeting room, he's just awestruck by it all. And yes, it is very futuristic and very, he calls it very Sid Mead, but I think it's, I think it's cool that he recognizes the sort of grandeur of it. And also, I also want to know on that panel on page nine, that top panel is, uh, Ultra Boy trying to cup a feel with the apparition there, or am I just, uh, am I just reading? Uh, it looks like he's trying to put his hand on her, on her shoulder. Okay. Well, he's definitely going a bit too low. I must have to say. <laughs> I think I think it's in motion, but yeah, it's it's definitely, and I don't remember if they are in a relationship, but I know he is. It looks it looks very intimate. Yeah. I noticed that too. Well, I was gonna say if it's if it's not intimate, he's definitely trying to uh, make it intimate. If you know what I'm saying. Well, if you, if you if you can get away with it. True. I would not I would not promote inappropriate touching in the Legion clubhouse. Well, you know if they're if they're fine with it, you know, that's okay. But yeah, you don't want to. You know, inner office romance, you know, there's uh, pros and cons to that, definitely. Yeah, and protocol. <laughs> True. Uh, page 10, we get our Green Lantern Corps police lineup and a really nice eight-panel grid where we get uh, images of the various Green Lanterns who are now in the future and now sort of, well, evil. And uh, it's very simple profiles it's uh, i guess this could be something that they'd be viewing on a monitor or maybe on a hologram thing but you get a nice little bit of dialogue and nice artwork of them and it's a interesting set of uh green lanterns i definitely like the uh the iron monger lantern here that's kind of <laughs> and of course they have to have a, a ninja lantern so yeah the that's always kind of cool as well but uh, uh tomar schwarzenegger that's also a kind of neat one. The fact that the the Zudarians, the fin-headed sort of fish races that Tomar Ray and everyone is like, were always considered to be kind of skinny. And this one's uh, very buff and wearing, obviously, the 90s cut-off spiky jacket. So, yeah. Basically, he stole Lobo's outfit. <laughs> exactly. Well, maybe in the 30th century, Lobo's dead. And we can only hope. We, yeah, I was going to say, we should be so lucky. Oh, too soon? Not soon enough. Um, page uh, Pages 11 and 12, and, and this is where we get kind of a kick in the pants for Kyle, where Cosmic Boy relates to him the fact 
not only are there no Green Lanterns in this timeline or in this future time, but there's no records of Kyle ever being Green Lantern. Now, I don't know whether this is the fact that something happened and record keeping from the 20th century just isn't that great, or whether or not Kyle just didn't make that much of a mark. But either way, Kyle throughout the entire time of his being since he got the ring was to try and uphold the legacy. And when he finds out that in the future he's completely forgotten, it is just it was just so devastating to him. And I think the art here and the dialogue here really conveys it well, especially here on page 12 as we see him sitting in the chair with his, you know, hand to his head and looking at the ring just he's crushed and you've got to think that Kyle's one kind of reason for being after the loss of Alex and after all he's done is to try and uphold the lantern legacy and to find out at this time that all of that was not for not is just got to be heartbreaking well there's also and he, I don't, he, he may not have really revealed his secret identity Mm -hmm. And that's something that we'll get to in the next issue uh, that uh, that will kind of uh, reveal that his legacy actually has has a bigger role than just him being Green Lantern. But that's that's for the next issue. But but I enjoyed that. It is a terrifying thought to think ahead and wonder what your legacy would be and find out, well, you have no legacy. What's what's worse than having a a less than stellar legacy is no legacy. Mm -hmm. Well, and especially when. You know, for for just the average people, you know, to have, you know, someone related to you or someone whoever pass on, you know, you know, pass on that knowledge is fine. But if you're a Green Lantern, if you're a superhero, if you're a Batman or a Superman, to have some sort of record of your exploits, you know, carry on into the future should be pretty important. And the fact that Kyle is just a cipher and a zero in the 30th century really has got to be completely and totally devastating. And it's also, you know, it's also exacerbated by the fact that they don't think that they're going to be able to send him back to his timeline because I guess in the 30th century, they outlawed time travel and Brainiac five isn't around. So it could be worse. You know, at least he's being compared to Hal Jordan and not like Nort. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I guess. See, see, I could see Nort maybe not uh, making the list of, you know, Green Lanterns in the future. But yeah, I'm glad <laughs> I wasn't related to that. Um, I find it amusing on page 14 that Kyle has his sort of Scarlet O'Hara. I'll never go hungry again moment here with him <laughs> raising his fist <laughs> in the air. I just. You know, I understand he's, you know, just trying to overcome the absolute depression of knowing that he's not remembered and saying that, you know, I'm going to make a difference here. But, yeah, the him raising his fist to the heavens thing was a bit over a bit melodramatic for me. But uh, it, yeah, but it's at least enjoyable. I mean, he spent his whole career as Green Lantern being compared to Hal Jordan, just like half the uh, half of the core themselves. But when you have to carry on not only the core's legacy, but the great Hal Jordan, you know, you, you're allowed a few dramatic moments. I'll give you that. And I'm certain that Hal has never, you know, raised his fist to the air and screamed out something dramatic. So, 
Yeah, Kyle's probably the first one who's done something like that. Um, <laughs> moving on to page 16, I really enjoy the sort of high school-like fawning of some of the girls on the team. We saw a little bit of that with a triad or, I guess, triplicate girl You know, in, in an earlier part of the book where – the three triplicates of her were like, you know, he's hot. You know, I really like him. And then the the one triplicate was like, uh, I, I don't really care. So I thought that was an interesting dynamic. But I also I also find it amusing that XS is so into him. And supposedly she's, if not related, she's obviously related to Barry, which means tangentially she's related to Wally. And how uncomfortable that's got to make Kyle that... <laughs> <clears throat> a a flash uh you know actual uh, an actual ancestor of the flash of wally west is uh trying to hit on him it's like a reverse back to the future isn't it <laughs> it kind of is <laughs> i never really thought of it that way but yeah it is and uh you know it, it again it again shows the sort of high school nature of the legion at the time that they're they're superheroes and they know how to work together. And I think, I think that's the strength of the team dynamic is that individually, these heroes probably wouldn't work well on their own because of their youth and their inexperience. But when they get together and do things together, that they really work well, well together. So I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the heck out of that. I will say that, that excess pointing out, Oh, it's, it's a, a it's an Allen and a green lantern teaming up didn't need to happen. I think the reader probably would have processed that after a little bit. Yeah, I, I think I think they could have avoided that. But, you know, it doesn't it doesn't hurt at least to mention that she is, you know, an ancestor of Barry. So it kind of it kind of does. I guess you could have it either way. I mean, you you really didn't need it. it you know, knowing that she's a speedster of some sort, you might be able to make the interpretation on your own. But it, it isn't horrible that they dropped a little hint in there moving on page 18 panel four we get kind of an idea here that the green lantern Corps here might not actually be members of the green lantern Corps because you know you know, they say you know the one non-female ninja green lantern <laughs> says that he's real so maybe this isn't really the core We'll get in later issues. Uh, in fact, we'll get in a later sort of prestige format story in the Green Lantern's timeline of the time that Kyle goes out and tries to sort of reform the core. And uh, he's able later to create rings on his own and pass them on. And you would think that this would be this would be sort of the end product of that. And later in the future, Kyle would have passed on new rings to new core and that would have happened to this. But you kind of get here this hint that it might not be an actual Green Lantern core, and it might be just something different. Yet we don't know what that is. True. All right. Uh, this is on page 20 in the second panel. If you look at the sort of columns that have the uh, yellow glowy things in the middle, if you look on that one on the left column in the second oh. panel, that looks like they have the helmet of Dr. Fade in there. Now, I can't see anything else. I can't see if those are like some gauntlets or something of Dr. Fate. And also kind of in the other one, it looks like they have, you know, Thor's hammer as well. 
But that one, the helmet of Dr. Fate really stood out to me. And I thought that was kind of a little neat Easter egg there. And I didn't really notice it on my initial read through, but I, th- I just thought that was a nice little sort of Easter egg there that I thought I'd point out. I didn't know that. I didn't notice it till you mentioned it. That's, yeah. Well, that's yeah. Incredible, I, actually. <laughs> well, and I, I just, you know, it was one of those things. It, it was sort of inked a little thicker than the rest of the stuff. So it sort of pops out at you. And when you're actually doing a comic and looking at it, you know, it's, it's really apparent there. So I thought that was kind of neat that they just popped that in, that these are, you know, these lanterns are thieves and they're just going throughout the universe and, you know, stealing mystical, magical stuff. And if you've got the, if you've got the helmet of Naboo, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good find. I would say. See, we don't. I don't feel like we learn enough about this small, this core. Well, they were kind of brought in really quickly, and aside from the little one-page thing with the eight-panel grid where they give the sort of breakdown of who they are in general, yeah, we really don't need them. But I don't think this core really is supposed to be any more than just a sort of one-off villain, and I don't know if it's necessarily that sort of track record that Ron Mars has had with putting villains in the Green Lantern book that really haven't had any staying power or not. I mean, I think they're just sort of part of this one storyline and meant to be sort of forgettable, which the fact that, you know, they're in the 30th century and in a Green Lantern book, which is based in the 20th century, it might have been nice if uh, they played into the uh, Legion book, but I don't even know if anything like that ever happened. So I can't remember either, but this is, I'm kind of fascinated. I'm more and more fascinated the deeper we go into this book. So, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, Tomar Schwarzenegger has a pierced fin. Mm-hmm, yeah, that was one of the neat things I thought about. I, I was kind of reminded of, uh, oh, what was it? The uh, Star Trek Into Darkness Klingons, which was kind of a neat design of them their uh, forehead ridges had sort of those pierced rings going through that as well. So I thought that was kind of a neat, neat design aspect and it, it makes him look really butch. So that's always cool. Well, maybe not butch in that way, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but we made a Schwarzenegger reference without Dr. Bill here. I don't know exactly what to do. Uh, I guess I could say law. Come on, <laughs> get to the chopper. There we go. <laughs> get to the Owa. <laughs> My final my final note is it's the tw- it's the 30th century. We've got all these amazing, you know, technological advances. We've got flying cars finally. You know, we've got the legion of superheroes. Yet we still have people homeless living in back alleys. Thanks Obama. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, Obama's always the person to just go. If it would have been Bush, it would have been thanks, Bush, anyway. But, yeah, the fact that, you know, they're still homeless, just, you know, that's disappointing. But I I guess it works for the story, and it sort of parallels the uh, meeting of Ganthet to this new Green Lantern in the same sort of in the same sort of uh, visual context that it did in issue 50. So, yeah, I, I thought get it's it, but... <laughs> I also but, have a problem with that, though. Okay, why is that? A, Ganthet is able to time travel to the 30th century, or was he always just waiting there? 
<laughs> I don't know. You know, he really didn't have much else <laughs> to do, so yeah, maybe he was just sitting around. Okay, but he's there. He can call the ring to him and take it somewhere. Why not take it to Kyle? <laughs> I. <laughs> why not? Why? Why bring the extended family into it? Yeah, you know that. That really does kind of ruin it, doesn't it? Damn you, J. David Weider! You just. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just. You just completely no prized the heck out of this, and you know, got rid of essentially, you know, the 30th century version of the Green Lantern. But yeah, that that kind of doesn't make sense now. Well, don't don't weep too much. Paul Levitz does something with that ring way down the road. Okay, well that'll be interesting nonetheless. But yeah, this was this was an interesting story. Uh, I love the interaction Legion, and I was just I was just really enthused with this. I thought it was a I thought it was a great Greenlander story, and it looks like you know we're gonna find out whether or not Kyle actually can get out of this ringless. And whether this new Green Lantern is going to be able to help out in any way. So I, I really enjoyed it. What about you, Dave? I enjoyed it, except for, I mean, I had the gripe at the end. And I could have done with a, a little bit more Legion. And I was kind of sad that the Legion didn't include, it didn't include Wildfire. <laughs> He's the cowbell of the Legion. I'll say that till the day I die. <laughs> It'll be on my tombstone. Could have used more Wildfire. I can't wait to see what you've done not well, I can. I can. <laughs> not that I'm not that I'm hoping for your, you know, death or anything, but you know, if if it ever does come, you know, that would be awesome to check out that that tombstone. This has gotten really dark, hasn't it? <laughs> I think we're going to end this. Yes, like I said, we only had this issue to cover, but don't you worry, because in seven days we will be back, both myself and Mr. Weeder here, we'll be back to cover issue ninety nine of Green Lantern which finishes up the storyline with the Legion, tells us a little bit more about this Carrie Wren Green Lantern person, and we get to figure out whether or not Kyle makes it back to the 20th century, or whether he's going to have to live in the 30th century with all its technological marvels and, you know, excess fawning over him. I'm starting to not see the downside here. That's, this could be win-win for Kyle. That's true. Well, he's he currently he is out of a relationship proper, so maybe this could work out for him. But yeah, uh, thanks, David, for coming on. Would you like to uh, promote some of the places where you're going to be found on the internet as we uh, exit this podcast? Uh, yes, you can find Dave's Daredevil Podcast at the appropriately named DaredevilPodcast.com. You can always find me at Twitter. I am at Dave Weeder. Uh, Superman in the Bronze Age is still bi-weekly through this summer when we will finally wrap the show. That's at supermaninthebronzeage.com, co-hosted with Charlie Niemeyer. I do have a small segment there. And Pad Smash will be returning fairly soon at incredibleholksmash.com. Those are all excellent podcasts, and if you aren't listening to all of them, shame on you, because they are awesome. Well, Damon, thank you for coming on. Uh, I know this is a pretty much a you know, foregone conclusion, but would you be willing to come back next time to finish up this storyline? Yes, Sean, I would. That would be awesome. I will see you in seven days where we will finish up this storyline. God. That was, no, that was funny. <laughs> Don't even. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you, like I said, in seven days. Or five minutes, you know, depending on what, what we decide. Time travel is weird. 
<laughs> You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingle. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the tendencies of the internet that comic books can be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed, too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at the brand new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys podcast, or search for Two True Freaks, the numeral two, and you can subscribe to either the show or Two True Freaks there. You can also search me on Facebook. And now you can actually find me there, as it was a requirement of my new DeMontecourt contract. But it still doesn't mean that I'll be joining your little Mafia Wars group anytime soon. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. The opening music for today's show comes from Jonathan Colton and is entitled The Future Soon, off his album Where Tradition Meets Tomorrow. If you'd like to buy this song or buy this album, the best place to go normally would be 2TrueFreaks.com, where you would click on the Amazon link and go to Amazon.com and download the song or the album or buy the CD there. However, because I love Mr. Colton that much, I suggest you actually go to JonathanColton.com, go to his store and buy his song or download his song there. You're helping out an awesome internet artist who does some great music, and the money actually goes to help him, and it's not rerouted around Amazon. However, as this is a Two True Freaks podcast, I would love if you used Amazon.com anytime at all if you use the link at TwoTrueFreaks.com. It's simple, it's easy, and every time you click the link at twotruefreaks.com and go to Amazon, a little bit of money from the purchase that you make at Amazon goes back to the Two True Freaks website. It doesn't cost you anything else, and it really helps out all the shows on the network. So anytime that you want to buy anything not from Jonathan Colton, make sure you go and use the link at twotruefreaks.com. It's actually kind of funny you mentioned that. I, uh, I've been up since 3 a.m., Oh sweet Jesus, man! What the Not hell? because I wanted to. My dog. Uh huh. Apparently she she woke my wife up because she she drank too much water, so she had to go out about three thirty. Mm-hmm. Still snow on the ground, so my wife puts her back, just lifts her up and puts her back in bed to make it easier, so the dog's not jumping around. And I feel cold, wet paws on my feet, <laughs> and I just shot up and I'm, I tried to go back to sleep for about an hour. I'm like, okay, it's not happening. But I just wanted to say I've been loving the Daredevil podcast, and I'm oh, I, I'm, I'm really psyched you're going to be covering the Frank Miller stuff, and s- starting out with the the Man with the Man Without Fear little series they did is a good idea. I, I'm just I'm enjoying the heck out of it. I, and the the funny thing is I am really enjoying that too. So I'm glad to hear other people are jumping on board. Well, that's what I've been doing with my uh, retro pull list. Just I just pick out the books I want. These are the ones I have, and I'm looking at. 
you know, I bought three months worth of books and that was a hundred dollars, but that's like, I think it was 80 or 90 books. So I'm, I'm actually making up pretty well. That's not bad. (laughs) You know, a hundred bucks and writing, you know, nowadays it'd get you a, what, like 20 books. If that, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted to ask, you've been, you said that you've been using, uh, the Marvel digital unlimited. Is that kind of a, that's a monthly, like nine ninety nine fee. You, you can do it nine ninety nine a month, or I think I paid six. You pay sixty dollars for a year's subscription, and you just go in. And they have they have them uploaded. You can download twelve at a time to have offline. Okay. So it's like it's like streaming. It's basically <clears> what it is. So basically, a Netflix. Well, that's kind of interesting. Kind of a Netflix service for Marvel mm-hmm. comics. That's I wish kinda... DC would do the same thing. <laughs>